It's time for Verbal Tap, the show that proves fighting is way easier from outside the cage, unless, of course, you're being accosted by Gentleman's Quarterly Magazine. I am your host, Kevin. With me, of course, Raf Esparza. Raf, how are you doing this evening? Hello. I'm good, Kevin. How are you? Great. If you were going to put me on a list of 25 worst things, what would that list be for GQ? Worst co-hosts? Well, that's, I mean, that, was, that seems like the easy one. Or the most accurate? I don't know. Okay, but where uh, would you put me at eighth? What would be my... Uh... Uh, I'd put you at second, just to make you think that there's more work you can do. <laughs> just to it's say... It's really inspirational at the same time. You're not the best at being the worst. Correct. Just so you know. That's probably the worst spot there is. Second. Mm-hmm. Um, arguably. We are, of course, making a little light of Dana White coming out on GQ's uh, eight sleaziest sports figures. Uh, they, the they had other ten uh, sleaziest people, people in yes. sports. Ten. Uh, but Kev, where did Dana fall in that line? <laughs> he was, uh, oh, it was a list of 25 and he placed eighth. Ahead of disgraced cyclist Lance Armstrong, but behind the now incarcerated war machine. <laughs> so, Kev, do me a favor. Walk me through that logic. Um, how uh, long okay. did Lance Armstrong lie to people? And then I forget. I blank out sometimes. What did War Machine do that was so bad again? Um, I don't think I'm paraphrasing when I say Lance Armstrong um, led a pretty lengthy facade for somewhere north of ever. I think he's been okay. doing it since since the America was established. War okay. Machine physically assaulted his partner. Several um, times. Who was a woman. Violently. And yes. then eluded the police for a few days, which is also a little telling about this. Okay, do me a favor. So just a touch between, like, underneath War Machine, but definitely over... A billion years of doping. <laughs> um, hold on. Of taking several things that included bull semen. Like, that was a staple of Lance Armstrong's <laughs> cheating masking diet. So, between bull semen and violent attacks against their, um, against domestic abuse. And okay, that's good. where Dana White falls, according to GQ I just wanted to magazine. make sure I had the context, because I wasn't sure. But, yeah. okay. And, Here's why the context is important. You're the Dana Whisperer. You tend to know what Dana means. So yes. I have here his reactions. This is from bloodyelbow.com. I highly suggest it and thank them for getting this. But I have the Dana White retort. Could you maybe – I'm going to read you what the retort was. Could you tell us what he was thinking in Dana White's voice? Oh, man, it's really hard. Do me a favor and, and just give me a test uh, to, to see if I'm, I'm ready. I'm not sure. No problem. I'll start with the first sentence. You're never okay. going to be able to stop what people say about you, and everybody isn't going to love you. Believe me, I've tried to buy fucking people off to write nice things about <laughs> me, and that shit doesn't fucking happen. So you know what you do? You fucking ignore it, or you wipe your ass with it when you go to the fucking toilet. That's <laughs> wipe your ass with I think that was artful, and I think Dana would say, yeah, that was perfect. Okay, let's keep rolling. But I don't take offense to anything. When you are in a public position like this, you are always going to have people say things about you. Believe me, if I worried about everything that was said about me, 
I would have been a mess a long time ago. Well, first of all, you should have broken that up into two fucking different ideas. But, okay, <laughs> first of all, what would, like, say the first part fucking again. <laughs> I don't take offense to anything. Now, this I definitely take scary. motherfucking offense to everything fucking said to me. I'm like a fucking schoolgirl. I'm eating ice cream right now on a fucking fucking couch. Okay, the next part, let's paraphrase. Believe me, if I worried about everything that was said about me, I would have been a mess a long time ago. Oh, shit, I read everything about me. Like, I mean everything. I got a Google fucking alert letting me know when somebody says fucking stuff about me. Okay, I'm really excited to hear what Dana has to say about the sex part. It was definitely written by someone who is uneducated about the sport. Fuck that guy. (laughs) I'm sandwiched between War Machine and Lance Armstrong. But really, for fucking serious, fuck that guy. Look at this fucking shit. You got me in fucking between War Machine? His name is War fucking Machine. Look it up. And Lance fucking Armstrong? Well, you know what? I got bigger balls than him. You know what? I think I hear why people don't like me. Okay, I can kind of hear it now. Yeah, <laughs> I just, I'm hearing it a little bit. Uh, here's the last statement. The thing that's unfortunate is that it's unfair for the UFC as a brand. UFC pays its fighters very well. I don't pay them jack shit, but you know what? Fuck you guys. And if you want to fucking fight for me, you fight for the crumbs I leave from my fucking table. Uh, (laughs) Thank you, Dana. That was perfect. Uh, You captured it again, Raph. That was impressive work. Oh, fuck you. God. Uh, Hold on. I'm sorry. No, just you're fine. It's everybody. Just take a safety breath. Take a safety breath. It takes a second because you wind down. Yeah, you got to you got to wind down like I. I feel all worked up on the inside. Kevin, it's, it's tough. You don't want to go to that place. <laughs> I appreciate you taking one for the psychological team for I us. do it for um, the, the podcast, my man. You do it for the podcast. He does it for the podcast. Ooh, and okay. let me ask you this. Do you believe that Dana White, this was um, not paying Hen and Burrell, was just a uh, put me on whatever fucking list you want? A big middle finger to it because that would have been a nice place to like earn some PR points. It was right before all of that happened, and and we're gonna talk about all of that stuff, all all things UFC 177 for the ten of you who watched it. Yeah, but it's it's been a rough week for the Danes. Okay, well let's give him a second because he's probably okay. just a product of extreme parenting. Mm-hmm. And maybe the segue would have worked better if that this wasn't exactly what segue. I was trying to say. You were watching Bravo because your lovely fiance recorded something for you to watch, and it was about jujitsu. Yeah. Okay. So every once in a while, she'll watch all of those garbage shows. Um, you know, The Housewives, all that stuff. But every once in a while, she stumbles upon something MMA or jujitsu related. For example. Uh, the Gypsy Sisters had an episode where they go to fight jiu-jitsu. So she pulls me aside. She goes, oh, by the way, there's jiu-jitsu in this. And I go, I'm in. Okay. <laughs> Just show it to me. Yeah. So in this particular play. episode of this series, which uh, follows parents who have very, as advertised, extreme versions of raising their kids. They do everything to the umpteenth, if you would. Mm-hmm. This one just happened to be about jiu-jitsu parents, Kevin. Competitive jujitsu? Like, what are we talking about? Jujitsu parents? Do they do jujitsu, or just the parents really want their kids to be good at it? It's both. So it is an Asian family, and it is. What were the odds? A calm down. 
Don't do that. Don't do that. That's <laughs> not necessary. I don't even so, know what that meant. I don't, I don't have a specific I, yeah, I, I, That's the whole thing is I was like, I really don't think. I was going to say that regardless <laughs> of what the description had been. They were an Arab family. <laughs> Sounds right. Okay, there we go. <laughs> so this uh, this couple of non-discriminate nature, they um, they have these, I think, two or three kids. And the way the father wakes up the daughter is to go over, put his arm out on the top of her bunk bed, and have her arm bar him. <laughs> okay, I think I could see where that could be a little... Not cute occasionally, but is it also kind of cute? It's in that vein where you go, okay, this isn't terrible, but all right, I get what we're in for on this episode. So cut to the mom. Anytime the kids are fighting or not doing their chores, guess what they have to do? Um, They have to uh, – hold on. What's the shun- – no, where you put your foot and you slide backward. Fuck. What do they have to do? Reasons why we should revoke Kevin's purple belt. So <laughs> the thing about this is when the the kids misbehave, if it's a solo nature, they have to do a solo drill or a warm-up drill. Yeah. At one yeah, point, yeah. the mom makes the kid plank. No way. It's like, you didn't bring the napkins? Plank. Come on. And just leaves oh. them there. And meanwhile, the rest of the family members are like, are you really – is this what you do? Is this really a thing? And then she's like, yep. This is how they learn. Now, now, mind you, if the two kids have a disagreement, guess how they have to settle it? Jiu-jitsu match? Yeah, jiu-jitsu match. Fuck yes. As the parents just cross their arms and shake their head the entire time. First of all, how is this extreme? I mean, this sounds very honest and not at all pressure-filled. Oh, okay. We're about to get there. We're already getting there. It's already sounding a little... We're, you know, we're in that exploratory, like, this is weird, but okay, yeah. I get it. Yeah. Now, one of the daughters is a competitive prospect, and she's really into uh, doing competitions. She's all for it. She likes it, but she also likes dance. Yeah. Uh-oh. But the mom takes her to dance lessons and says, you know what? We have a jiu-jitsu competition coming up. Uh, I don't think we're going to be able to come to dance classes anymore. And the mom strikes a deal with the daughter, not even a, drill, a deal, more of an ultimatum. She goes, you either get gold or you don't get to dance anymore. Oh. And this little okay. girl, asks, she starts crying. Ask me. D- why does she start crying? Does she start oh. crying? Twice. Twice. Oh, no. And this little girl is a sweet little girl. She's actually got some good movement. And, and you can see that she likes it, but she wants to do both. And she does have a passion for dance. So anyway. They get to the competition, Kev, and uh, I don't want to ruin it for everybody, but I'm going to because why would you watch Bravo? How do you think she's? Uh, Silver. I think she got eliminated in the prelims. Uh, Well, hard to believe that type of crushing pressure wasn't the motivation (laughs) she needed. Well, the best part is the parents off to the sidelines going. (sighs) Just brewing. Okay, okay. So, you know, the weird part about this is, Kev, you would assume this for people who have been practitioners of the sport, right? Like, I I think we know parents who want to get their kids involved and and, uh, really encourage them to go out there. And they've been around the sport for some time, especially if they're this militant, right? Without question, I would think, yeah. 
So I don't know if we ever find out if the mom trains, but we know the dad trains. Uh, ask me what his rank is. What What is his rank? I'm, j- I'm actually curious. I'm kind of hooked now. He is a white belt with two stripes. Perfect. So after continuously explaining the importance of how long this has been in their family, I'm like, no, no, no. We've been lifelong practitioners uh, for as long as I've had this, I guess. And like as a fellow white belt, I can look at it and go, that's a little weird. I don't know that we'd be that militant <laughs> with our kids and being like, kids, this is the only life we've known. And take yeah. it from me. I'm an expert at this. I was like, that would be a bold set of stones for you to, like, gather around your friends now, right now, two years in. I mean, even if I did, it was just like, this is how my life lives up to a code. It's like, you didn't start doing it until after college. Who fucking said that? Shut up. (laughs) I'm doing a talk here about it being my code. (laughs) Right. And the best part is Kelly, uh, my fiance, knows enough to look and go, oh, he shouldn't be teaching her. No. Oh, that's that's not good. And I'm like, oh man, she she knows the techniques now, so she's she's keen to it. And she just goes, mm, it, there'd be a better hip escape. I'm just gonna say that. <laughs> I like that too. Let's make sure we tweet our public reaction to this Bravo Extreme Parenting. Well, that's difficult to hear, though. At least you know, I, it's hard to if. That over pageantry, I guess. I'm just trying to be a little positive. I don't know. No, because pageantry was also a major problem for the mom. Too many. Okay, perfect. That's that's and humanity's over. You watched the fights in a bar last night. Uh, yes. And let's be very clear when we say that normally I watch from home now. That is kind of what I do. I am a terrible guest to go watch fights with because I'm usually tweeting jokes or trying to do coverage or make notes for our podcast. Yeah, we we do notes. I'm sorry. It should yeah. be better. But anyway, that's not the point. The point is <laughs> uh, normally – you guys in your judgment. The point is we're that's trying. Right. That's right, you dicks. Leave us alone. <laughs> but uh, for this particular one, I did the math. And you know what the math said, Kevin? What did the math say? I probably shouldn't order this. I should probably just go to a bar. <laughs> what? It'll be significantly cheaper. Oh, my God. Dana went on a fucking tirade about how you should still buy this card. This card is as good as it was with Hen and Brown. It was just like, Dana, come on, man. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> this card is not as good as it was. It is lacking some serious star power. And let me... Is there any way they can make it cheaper during these types of situations, or is that just not even a not That's even not something to think about? But oh, okay. that was something you texted me, and I will reveal. I only slightly rolled my eyes, which means I might have agreed with you. But uh, when I saw the text, it's it's just definitely classic Kevin being Kevin yeah, of what funny. your opposition is. If they had marked it down ten dollars, you would have bought it. I was just sitting there just like, oh, I want to. And, Raph, I'll leave it to you to wait for the opportune time to ask about my night. That's fair. That is fair. Right? Is that good? It, you, it is a tough you one. You just use your production expertise. Feel it out and be like. Sure. Like, and and we're going to get to there. But let me just there. tell you real quick about the experience of watching it live with bar folk. Yeah. How was it? Yeah. It was rough. I was a little nervous at the very beginning because – I went by myself. 
I couldn't even drag another human being to go see the fight because <laughs> that would require you getting them interested in said fighters who they have no clue who are on the card. Uh, on I have one weekend. person. I just go, hey, guys, do you want to do you want to go see some fights? They're like, yeah, I'd be interested in. They're like, wait, who's on the card? This guy? No, I don't know who he is. Danny Castillo? Uh, doesn't ring a bell. Beshe Correa. You know what? I'm just going to go by myself. Okay. So I get to the bar. And the first thing I hear my waitress say, and this is completely out of context, so it might be not fair to her, but she just goes, yeah, you know what I just feel like? I feel like, you, you know, it's just probably easier to be homeless, right? You just go home to a box. I go, uh-oh. <laughs> well, I know the level of intelligence I'm amongst. Uh-oh. Is We're it college football stand-up game well? there? Yeah. <laughs> And uh, college football is happening as well. So there's tons of Clemson fans. And who right. knew L.A. had Clemson fans? But they yeah, did. Really. And uh, sure as shit, as soon as the Clemson game was over, this bar that was very bounty about how many people they were going to let in is empty. Oh. So it clears out. There are some more people who slowly trickle in and go, oh, there are fights tonight. Oh, who's on the car? Oh, I don't know these people. <laughs> so I fortunately make uh, a friend right up front because I'm now nervous. I'm like, oh, man, how is this going to go? This might be awful. And there are two people next to me who just go, the stupid Nas commercial, well, whatever. And I go, they're my people. Ch- oh, <laughs> check it plus. I'm going to make friends with them. And guess what, Kevin? They leave two seconds afterwards because they no don't want to see the card. Then no this way. very nice – like Australian, British, whatever the fuck her accent was, lady to my right, just taps me on the shoulder. She sees I get a hamburger because I got to clear fucking food prices in order to stay here. Still cheaper. But she looks at me and she goes, oh, what'd you order? And I was like, oh, you know, I got a, a cheeseburger. Everything here is delicious. Are you here for the fights? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I am. Why? What's up? Oh, I hate those. That's a terrible sport. Okay, old lady, you need to go away now. <laughs> So finally this random dude walks up and he's just like, man, I didn't have anybody to watch the fights with. I'm like, dude, what's your name? Steve. Yeah, we're friends. I understand. I couldn't. He was like, couldn't justify ordering it. No, just going to have a cheeseburger. So my my thanks to Steve who came over and uh, we had a good time laughing. And this is maybe the coup de grace, Kev. Over to Steve's left is a guy who's never seen fights before in his life. Perfect. Have you met this guy at a bar? I've met this guy at a bar. Okay. This guy. Hopefully, I love those guys when they're also wearing an affliction shirt, but I'm with you. Eh, you know, he's, he's a chill dude. He's just a uh, – he looks like a – an extra from the cast of Newsies as a hipster. And he's just sitting there and he just goes, this is stupid. You know, like, like the sport, this whole thing, like oh this guy just got kicked in the face. You know what I mean? Cut to poor Steve looking at me. Cause he has to indulge all of this. And I go, dude, I'm going to make fun of him. I am just tweeting all of the nonsense he's saying and making fun of him. Yep. <laughs> so maybe about three fights in now he's all invested. And the guy goes, you know, I've never seen this before, and this is the best thing I've ever seen. Cut to Steve looking at me and saying, on the weakest card ever presented, he suddenly thinks this is the best fight <laughs> of all time. He's okay. loving the adrenaline. But we love the fact that he was uh, really about it. And the thing with Steve is uh, – and I, I had to pull myself back a little bit because – 
you know this. When you get excited and you see a jiu-jitsu move happening, yeah. you start to narrate what the jiu-jitsu move is if nobody and else is just, doing it. You start to turn with them, like you're you mm-hmm. start to dip your shoulder, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so there are definite moments when I'm like, oh, no, no, he's losing the grip. God, he's losing that fucking grip. Oh, dude. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody's like looking at me and I go, I, I had to turn to my newfound friend Steve and go, you know what? I'm very sorry. I don't mean to be that person. He goes, oh, no, I'm interested in training jiu-jitsu. I was like, dude, so Steve, if you're listening to this, come train with us at Valley Martial Arts Center. Go. Go over to the VMAC. Anyway, that's my plug. That's all of that. But you know what we should do? We should cover what actually happened in the fights. Uh, fine. I'm <laughs> kind of only semi-interested. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. Let's go. Whatever. Everybody, so I know that you guys are waiting on pins and needles to find out how this all went down. But, Kevin, have you ever thought about that phrase, pins and needles? Like, why are people waiting on pins and needles? I gotta tell you, I wonder that too, but I presume it's a chakra-based thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I grew up in Kansas, so we didn't really explore Western or Eastern cultures. So it wasn't That's good, and, and I'm glad. It, it's not at all uh, anything that's transparent to any of us on this podcast. But, Kev, how do you feel about your performance? I'm not on pins and needles after a very mouthy opponent Shot off on Facebook to let me know <laughs> specifically yeah, how okay. awful you're, I am. You're you're leading us to the right spot. Let's go ahead and uh, welcome back our good friend Todd Lacura. So Todd, yes, hey Raph. I have Todd. a problem with you. Pardon? I have a problem with you. Do you know what the problem is? Uh, that I I spilled the beans on Facebook. Yes, you did, and not even spilled the beans, but you started to attack Kevin. Before we can I'm, do it on the show, that's clearly why we do this. Is so that you. Well, can I was just really show. excited about getting some ice cream, dude. It's not. It's not <laughs> often where I get some free ice cream. <laughs> Again, maybe some of the strangest criteria we've ever had for without a question in this. Um, yeah. But I would like to congratulate you. Yes, you did win. I believe out of the picks Hell that we had, yeah. you had five out of the six remaining picks that were still in play that day. Hell yeah. yeah. Talk about a violent beating. Of... Told you I was credible. You were yes, you were definitely. Here's the best part: when you let me know a little later via uh, status update, you said, "Hey everybody, don't tell Raph." But when he asked if I watched the UFC, I totally lied. I don't, but I just want to be on the podcast. I was like, "How dare you ruin the sanctity that is the pre-interview <laughs> to this show?" <laughs> Don't you know that is a rigorous I, screening process of do you watch the UFC? Yeah, sure. All right. Well, I mean, I'm a big fan of MMA and I like the sport, but it, sometimes it's hard to follow. And, uh, you know, if I if there's a if a, there's a card that particularly interests me, you do I, I get, you I get don't on get it. to play that card. It's hard to follow. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> it's really not. Like, it's not terrible. Yeah. Well, I don't All follow right. NFL. I don't follow anything. People try to get me to do fantasy. I'm just like, uh, sorry, bro. <laughs> Ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> well, good, Kev. How do you feel knowing that? Uh, do you want to know how many you got right? Absolutely, but I feel like there's a huge asterisk next there's to this not. entire event. There's a huge What's asterisk? asterisk. Absolutely not. What? There. I don't even know all, what like, an asterisk is. It's half the fights. <laughs> watch like sixty one. It's an HBO movie that'll like, do the whole explanation. Uh, 
It's about the Mickey Mantle versus Roger Maris. It's not important. I'm invoking a strong asterisk because <laughs> the main card was canceled, basically. I don't know yeah, who these other guys were. Get to ask what? for an asterisk. Like, motion denied, because here's the thing. So we <laughs> dropped the fights that ended up getting canceled because people were fucking stupid about their weight cuts. How many so, of them were there? Because it really, I thought there were like 10, 11 scheduled. There, I, I believe we eight. had nine scheduled fights. Oh, so okay. what we had to do is we had to cut it down to, I think, seven, or maybe there was 10. But there was, yeah, I think there was t- somewhere in there. Uh, here's what happened. So, first of all, Henry Cejudo is the first person to miss weight. So, everybody's in a bad, bitchy mood because he's not going to be able to make it because he has a medical issue, right? You hear yeah. this, yeah? Okay. I'm with you. I'm right with you. So, Dana White goes to lunch, and somebody comes up to him, and they get like a reporter, and they go, Hey, Dana, uh, how does it feel to hear Barrows out of uh, the main card? No fucking goes, way. In That's- true way. Dana goes, oh, I think you're fucking mistaken. Actually, it's fucking Cejudo who didn't fucking make weight, so fuck you. And the guy goes, oh, well, actually, Burrell also missed weight. And Dana's like, fuck this lunch, and gets up and then has to go to work and is in a bad mood. I love that they didn't call him, that a reporter found out before he did. that. You know that was part of the conversation, like, amongst all the other shit he had to deal with. Like, my fucking main card is out. Wait, how did I not know before other people knew? He was livid. Yeah. He was, and I think his anger only further exemplifies that this fight shouldn't count. No, Kev, we Uh, took that fight off of the card. Like, what we did is, it was best out of seven, because there were seven other fights that the two of you had made picks that still were in play. Out of those picks, Kev... You got, hold on, you got Sorry. two out of seven, Kevin. That, I don't think it's a new low, but it's pretty close. Which, god damn. I mean, I, I, Kev, you should be unlucky, Bryce. I want to tell you this, so, it was so, so bad, because the one pick of the two that you got right was Anthony Hamilton. Does that hold any significance for you still? Oh, god, yeah. I actually, if I got to, if you had said... I'm going to win this all, but I'd lose that one. I'd choose the opposite, Raph. I would rather win that and lose the whole thing than any other match on this card. So, Todd, here's the thing. I want you to boast for a little while. I'm going to give you one minute to just kind of boast and say what you want to say to Kevin and go. I have bigger balls than you. That's it. Wow, that's impressive. That was quick and and tidy. All right. I like to Um, stay humble. (laughs) <laughs> but I have big balls. I'd like to stay humble. I just want to point out my genitalia larger than <laughs> yours, instinctively. This is a humble comment. This is a humble guy. Isn't that but... like male bashing? Yes, that's like... like the best backhanded boasting. It's like, I, I'm not going to say anything, obviously, except my measure of manhood, statistically bigger than his measure of manhood. I'm just going to leave it. If you want me to boast a little bit more, I will say that uh, the first fight, Kane Carazoso completely lost. Um, he got wrestled and just completely fucked up. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, wrestling was a big part of that card. Also, Shayna Baszler, she completely fucked up, uh, what's her face's, uh, catch wrestling and, uh, you know, did exactly what she (laughs) needed to do and got some of her little Brazilian hips and some hip thrusts in it. Now, 
calm down, Todd. We're we're gonna get to all of those fights momentarily, <laughs> but we need to we need to establish some order up top. Okay. Uh, the reason why I needed to give you that second to boast at Kevin's expense is as follows. Kevin, would you like to share a story with us? Uh, yeah, I was all excited to go watch the fights. We were going to one of my favorite bars where I take a lot of friends for the UFC fights. My girlfriend and I got a cab. We were like, we're going to do this. Let's get a little drunk. So I show up like promptly at 9.22, right? Perfect time to get some food in before the fights start, get a nice buzz going. And there was a depressing letter <laughs> awaiting the time. And it's never good when you walk up to your favorite bar and there's a special letter outside the window. Like, that's never already something that a legitimate restaurant doesn't want to do. I prepared myself, and it said, Due to the loss of the main event tonight, we will be canceling the UFC showing. And that's written in huge font. And then, like, five spaces below it, in tiny little letters, it says management. That's attributed to. (laughs) And, you know, as everyone knows, when you write management tiny on a big-ass letter... It's official. Kevin, how did you feel when you saw that? It's pretty defeated. It's like, well, I guess let's order some wings and go, because I really... It was already like the night was fucked up for you. It was a bad omen. I almost texted you both to be like, well, it was a fun podcast, but I'm I'm glad you didn't text me, because you don't know my number. Actually, you did just call me. I was was like, hold on, crap, let's give it 20 seconds. You thought I'm creepy while you watch... You do push-ups and eat ice cream? That's creepy that you have my number. Let's watch him take this detective work. Todd, do me a favor. You know, there's a phrase. It's called less is more. Maybe in your your realm, when you're naming presidents or you're attacking (laughs) Kevin for having your phone number while on the phone with you, uh, (laughs) let's let's think these things through. Uh, But, you know, here's the thing. Got it from a friend of his or something. Well, we called I you do, for the podcast. I do the, I I do the uh, talk before thinking thing. It works out <laughs> great. It's easier to ask for forgiveness than permission. Fair That's, enough. Yeah. So, Kev, this was a, an interesting story. I actually put a moratorium on making fun of Kevin uh, that I'm still trying to uphold. I can't promise you it's going to happen throughout the and whole podcast. You didn't even make it through the night. But What are you talking about? You were not, You made some comments. What did I make? What was the comment I made? I don't remember specifically, but I remember feeling like you had mocked me. I did not. No, I did. Okay. Absolutely not. I actually, and I was, I was 100% absolute in telling people at the bar who didn't even know you. I was like, nobody touches my co-host. You did say something about stop sniveling and make a choice. You did. Oh, well, that's because (laughs) you were fucking crowdsourcing your decision, Tinkerbell. I was shocked. Time out, Todd. Follow me on this. So I asked the world. I was like, do I buy this fight? Because that was basically my only option was to go home and okay. buy it. Okay. Yeah. And no one had an opinion. Like, literally. <laughs> no one gives a fuck. No one gave a fuck. Everyone was just like, eh. I'm pretty sure well, if you use the hashtag UFC 177, all the tweets were mine. Because I didn't <laughs> know people were actually watching it. No uh, one gave a shit about the card. No one gave a shit. You should, you should have actually just come watch it with me and my buddies in Rockville. I should have. Oh, Rockville. I don't know. That would have been a whole longer cab ride. I, I will Rockville say this. Fucking sucks. 
you did change my opinion on strategies of fights until this moment. Remember, I had a strong prison tattoos. Like, you don't ever want to underestimate the guy with prison tattoos. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Chris Wade out-wrestled him. So maybe wrestling over prison tattoos is going to become part of my paradigm. Well, Chris Wade, I I mentioned, you know, his name is Wade, and, and he's good at fighting because of the name Wade. It's, it's strictly because of the name Wade. It's not because of the tattoos or okay. wrestling. I mean, he did wrestle him, but it's Wade. Why is well, it Wade? What's that thing? I mean, I've had, uh, you know, Wade Chalice is my wrestling coach. Wade Chalice is my wrestling coach, and uh, oh, he, he's one of he's the though. best wrestler to never win a Olympic gold medal, and um, he's the man. And then uh, I have another wrestling coach named Wade, and I got beat by uh, a guy named Wade, so. It's it's uh you know that's a serious name. That's foolproof. Thank you. I'm, I'm totally asked and answered. Yeah, Kevin, don't you feel more enlightened knowing that? <laughs> Let's do. go up to the top of the card because there was a lot to talk about. Uh, but Kev, uh, do you have questions for us about the main fight? Yeah, was it even remotely legitimate? And I say yeah. that being respectful. Like I know that there are fighters out there that could walk into the cage and give TJ Dillashaw a good fight. Was it one of those? Yes. And I'll let Todd start. Todd, what do you think of the main event? Uh, TJ Dillashaw did a great job of. Uh, I'm not really sure. The first first round, it seemed like he was having a little trouble, and then you know he kept pushing the pace and and came out with the uh, great fucking win. It's awesome. Uh, Kev, you know, the the most interesting aspect about this is you have to put yourself in Joe Soto's shoes. You have to recognize (laughs) that 24 hours before, he wasn't even on the main card. He was on the prelims. And then, oh, hey, oopie-doopie, I guess now you're main event. Whatevs, no big deal. And for that kind of low preparation, he he came in and... He was pushing the action for a, a good portion of the fight. Like, there was at least a round and a half where he was putting Dillashaw with some great shots. And uh, mm-hmm. it really made Dillashaw have to be a little bit more resourceful throughout the fight. Um, and it, the fight ended up with a great kick uh, in the fifth round. But, Kev, I was going to ask Joe Soto yeah. actually ended up taking the champion to a fifth round. Yeah. In a way that was even more competitive than Renan Burrell. So. Ooh, there's that. I actually, so this was the only fight there was really anything on Twitter about, which was really mm. nice. <laughs> and it seemed like people were mildly impressed by Joe Soto, but TJ Dillashaw is still, you know, pretty dominant. Yeah, yeah. No, it was it was a it was a dominant performance. Like he still was good, but he also had his face kind of busted up a little bit just because. Uh, Soto put put a good effort in, and I liked the thing I respected most about Soto's work that day. Great head movement, and he kept his hands up. I can't tell you how many other fighters I was yelling at at the TV because they weren't keeping their head or their hands up throughout the rest of their fights in the, in the earlier part of the evening. So I got to say that, that Joe huge. Soto did a great job. Um, he did do a great job. He he was already prepared to fight that night and just the chance that he got to fight the champion was fucking awesome for him. He was already ready to fight. He made the way, you know, he was ready to go. And the fact that he got to go against the champion, it was just an amazing chance for him to do it. And he, you know, that motherfucker really put it to him and, you know, much respect to that guy. Much, yeah. much respect. Joe to that Soto guy. definitely came out a winner on that one. 
And I'm pretty sure Dana gave him more money because the money that they revealed that was the state commission looks like Dana took uh, Henenborough's money and said, you're not getting a dime, so fuck you, and gave it all to Joe Soto. (laughs) That's a nice pay upgrade for Joe Soto, too. You imagine, like... There's a lot of good things broke at the same time. I I made the mistake of posting on Facebook my opinions about them. Dana White should pay Cejudo, the Olympic champ, and Morale, the former champ. uh, And I got my ass chewed out on that. So I never express my opinion on Facebook ever again. Well, Well, since you already put your your foot in the mouth uh, on Facebook, why not do it here? What what is your opinion? I mean, I feel like, uh, you know... He's paid other fighters. Dana White's paid other fighters for less shit. I mean, just because two high-level guys uh, fuck up in the same night and it's already a shitty card and you're in a bad mood at lunch, fucking Dana White. Sorry, man. No, but I had a fucking good salad and they fucking fucked that up for me. So fuck those guys. Whatever, man. Pay up. You paid other people. The thing I found most interesting, Kev, this was a really weird moment in the broadcast because I only got sound in and out because it's a bar. But at the end of the preliminary card, <laughs> there was a great moment. I only got – I got – I went to a bar too. I'm almost familiar with that problem. Okay. Good. Yeah, good. I'm just letting you know because, I mean, I actually was watching the fights. I'm like, you know. But the thing was, <clears throat> did you hear when Kenny Florian had to take over for Joe Rogan at a certain point? Boy, did I. That was still in the prelims, wasn't it? Because yeah. at that point, he went and uh, they were like, they went to this really awkward interview with Hennon Perrault. Which was amazing, by the way, because this was Joe Rogan's true Barbara Walters moment, where it was both an interview <laughs> and a scolding. Because why he was it? With why question. did it have to I be? I didn't Joe see Rogan. this part. I didn't see this part. I was at oh, the bar God. with my friends and, and we couldn't hear it. But, yeah. you know, we could saw them. I saw the Hennon Burrell's face. He looked so funny, man. He looked like a goober. It was but amazing. But I love that guy. I love that Brazilian Hennon Burrell. I love that guy. He's great. He's a great, great fighter who got beat by a guy once. And I don't know. I still feel he would have lost for whatever reason. Because uh, I still contend. He was He was uh, TJ Dillashaw so was, was in his head. What was Joe Rogan saying? So what Joe was saying is he pulls him aside and he's like, Hey, man, tell us about missing weight. What was that all about? And he explains in the most calm way possible through via interpreter. And, Kev, I don't know if you picked up on this, but it was, oh, well, you know, everything was normal. Uh, cutting weight like normal. Yep, just in uh, there in the sweat lodge. I got up out of the tub. I exhaustedly fainted, and I hit my head, but I was cool. Like, no big, right? It's cool. No, nah, it's fine. I might have passed out, but I also was still fine. Like, I'm I good. Was, I was fine. And then I woke up in the hospital. But again, super fine. Was he still trying to make weight or something like that? Is that what he's trying to say? No, I'm pretty sure they talked him down at that point. But it was more so <laughs> that once Joe heard that was the excuse and that was the explanation, Joe then decided to really lay into him that goes, hey, you know, cutting weight is like a really big deal in the sport right now. And I just feel that you you aren't even thinking about it. And it got really awkward because then you have to wait for the interpreter to yell at Henning <laughs> Burrell for Joe Rogan. <laughs> That's incredible. Well, have you ever taken one of those Epsom salt baths to cut weight? I mean, it, it just kind of sucks. I never really had a, a big cutting weight problem. I don't really cut weight for much, but like 
cutting weight really sucks, and I have almost fainted after an Epsom salt bath, just losing like two or three pounds. So, I mean, I could see that guy, you know, passing out. And he's like, oh, it's no big deal. That's hilarious that Joe Rogan fucking chewed into him like that. Oh. Sure, also, but it's ref- also highlighting that point. Go ahead, Kevin. Did you notice he kept asking him how much weight he was dropping and we couldn't get that answer? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, for whatever reason, either the int- – and, of course, we waited two minutes each go-around to not get the answer, which was great. But it was just this super long interview, and I, after hearing what happened, I also agree they should have paid Henan Burrell. He hit his head. Thank you. Thank you. Like – this is some sort of it felt very illegitimate to be like he gets zero dollars so he was on track to do his shit this is what he does where okay here's my question raf this is always if remember we're gonna skip a few chapters let's say i'm fighting in the ufc um, i've got a title bout at 135 coming chapters up. or are we talking about an anthology because well yeah we're, we're just going straight to rocky three my version I'm about to, and I've got to cut like six or seven more pounds. It's your job to be standing there in case I get dizzy, which is absolutely going to happen, and I start to fall over. Can you promise you'll be there? No. Oh, perfect. Oh, but wait. Hold where on. the fuck? Wait, are you promising me to be in the room? Yes. yes. To be there to make sure to I don't fall. be there fall. to make sure that you don't fall? No. Oh, okay. You'll just stand there, but you'll see it, and then you can articulate it to the press. So I it's don't gonna have go. To... Oh no! <laughs> he he fell. Everybody, <laughs> guys, this looks serious. He's bleeding. Someone should do something, guys. What um, Instagram filter works best when your co-host is on the verge of dying? Is it Valencia? Oh, oh, it's hard light. It's hard light. I can't believe his team wasn't there, or somebody wasn't there to catch his ass. I think That's the bigger issue, and this is this is the reason why Dana was so pissed, and I see your guys' points, uh, but you have to understand that, like, this was in danger of making it seem like they should cancel the event, which Dana said was not a possibility. But uh, it, it's huge. It had huge implications, and their biggest contention was maybe he shouldn't be cutting so much weight. Maybe he should fight a category up. And when you miss weight for a championship belt, I feel that even if you're Henry Cejudo, you just get lumped into that. So that's a different issue in itself. However, <laughs> Cejudo, it should also be noted, four times in a row this has happened. Wait, wait, wait. No. I never heard about this. Oh, Henry wait. Cejudo has missed... Just missed weight. No way. I mean, yeah, he should definitely go up a weight class or two. You know, he's a very competitive guy. He's an Olympic champion. He could be fighting at whatever weight class he wants, as long as it's one of those light weight classes. <laughs> and I think he'll be very successful. I just I Man. certainly more successful than not. That making. guy, that guy couldn't even afford wrestling shoes when he was back in high school. You know, it really sucks that he did get slumped in with fucking Simon Burrell. And I agree. I like. I, I pull for the guy. I oh, even overlooked the other times that it's happened, but. I still pull for him. I hope he goes a weight class up. And actually, I think that's the ultimatum Dana and company gave him, which was, you go up a weight class or we fucking cut you. So probably we'll see it happen. Um, but I, I was impressed with that. So I, I thought that was a good set of stuff. Uh, I do have to ask you this, Todd. What did you think of the jiu-jitsu of Tony Ferguson that evening? Tony Ferguson, you're going to have to remind me what happened. Okay. He was a fighter. He was on the card. He beat he was Danny Lascal Castillo. 
Yes. Who I oh. Went with a nickname. Yes. Um, he looked like a rude French raider. Yes. Yes. That he turned right into the guillotine because Theo turned right into the guillotine. You know, he had a good. Uh, you know, that was a well, very good is... performance by Ferguson because he he kept he held his strength on and. Uh, and Castillo did a little move to get out of that really good guillotine. Well, the, I think you're talking about. It was like, uh, Ooh, you just made a big mistake. But it's like I'm not sure it was more. Um, so Ferguson let me, capitalizing let me stop on right that here. mistake. Here's what we're talking about right now. Tony Ferguson was the co-main event. The one I think you're talking about right now is Yancey Medeiros and Damon Jackson with that reverse oh, block choke. And we're we're gonna talk about that because as Earth to Todd, Earth to Todd. Sorry, yeah. I'm just trying to get you know, insults Kevin, in where I can. It I was a really good, exciting out. fight night, though. It was a great fight night. Yes, it was. But, Kevin, as I don't think the card ended up, throw, uh, any kind of stones, considering, again, I could have let that go and let that be your recollection of a fight you hey, didn't see. You, you guys got to keep in mind that my name is Locura. That means, like, I'm crazy. And I was also a little bit tipsy that night, so, like, you got to remind me who who's who. But, okay, yeah. so Tony Ferguson is, uh, you may recall, he was a guy who had a very competitive fight with uh, a wrestler who was basically keeping him down, and he was working off of his back, throwing elbows. He, at one point, was locking up uh, kind of a darse, but it was mostly to wear him down in the first. Uh, mm-hmm. But Danny Castillo, after his fight, basically went up and complained, and he did lose the fight. Let's be very clear about this. Tony Ferguson won that fight. Mm-hmm. By and large, you have to be crazy not to see it. But Danny Castillo had the home crowd advantage. I'm crazy. And when he ended up <laughs> doing it, Danny Castillo gets up and goes, you know what? If this was prison, uh, he would have lost because I held him down. And <laughs> yeah, it was a very strange moment. And all of us looked at each other in the bar and said, did he just say if this was prison? This would be a different story. Like, is that is that really what just happened here? Because, yes, you did just wrestle fuck the shit out of him. Uh, I would hope that he he gets a better inclination of what, he, you know, Tony was trying to do off his back. But I thought it was a good fight. Um, so do you remember that fight now, Todd? Yeah, a little bit. You know, I'm getting a little t- bit too ahead of myself here. You know, you guys are the pros here. You got you to gotta l- l- guide me along. You know, last Not time I got well. a little star, you got to – you got to help me work to get that star today. <laughs> I'm, you know what? We're going to hey, big guy. You keep up the good work. You're going to get a yeah, gold star. And you know work. what? Maybe even a check plus for attendance. Ooh, so man. that happened. Um, you guys, so, you guys yeah, are the ones who called me late. <laughs> you calm down. Don't, don't start to get all sassy with us. I don't really need this. Anyway. Labor Day Monday. Uh, Kev. <laughs> Kev, so were you at all interested to hear how Shayna Baszler lost? Actually, uh, I have this starred as my gotta find out what happened fight. I know nothing about what happened in this fight. And you and I have talked about this because it always, on Shayna Blazer, it always looks on paper like she should be winning. And she never seems to quite be doing that. What happened on paper, but all of her talking heads are, I'm the greatest ever. And I totally understand. Sell the fight. Be that person. Totally get it. That's a mindset. It it was rough. So Beshe Correa uh is a beast. 
She is a, a, a beast. She walks out, and in the first round, Shayna actually is doing some great work, uh, kind of a little bit wrestling, but was doing great work off of her back. It looked yeah, at one she point she was doing a really was... good job on bottom with her little catch stuff. I don't, you know. Yeah, it was. I mean, I, I think a catch in the same. I kind of think of catch as the same as jitsu and, and all just kind of grappling. You know, if, if you're the yeah. grappler, then you got whatever. You know, but. She was she was given her given Be- um, Basil was given Korea a good bit of trouble on bottom, and then uh, once once they got back to standing, Korea just lit her up. Yeah, it was great. It was it was impressive to watch because here's the problem, Kevin. So after the first round, uh, Beche's corner comes over to her and goes, "Hey, you know what would be great if you just punched her? Like, try that. See what happens." Mm-hmm. And she cuts an angle on her over to the corner of the octagon, and Shayna starts getting pummeled. And mm-hmm. Kev, this is the type of fight where I don't like seeing the the finish that much because Shayna bat her violent. hands up. Oh yeah! <laughs> when she's trying to strike back, she has that clear sign of being out of it because she's striking when like <laughs> you're not supposed to, and also to the wrong side of where the opponent is. So it, oh, it looked yeah. really rough to watch. Oh, it's I a bit reminiscent of the uh, Rashad Evans Machida kind of thing. You oh, know? that buckle! It's like, well, I also think like the you know it's controversial to say this, but females don't have as much power. So like she had to hit her a lot harder and a lot more to really get to uh, break through that barrier. Because I also feel like females are very tough in the sport, and so it would be harder to knock each other out and. um so she had to do a lot more to get it in. And then once you got to that point, it was going, going, gone. Boop, boop, boop. <laughs> so it was it was a hard one to watch uh, happen live, Kev. I, I, I can't really say too many amazing. good things about that one. Yeah, I, I love how as I'm telling you, like, ah, it was a rough one to watch. Ooh, slow motion cam for me, please. <laughs> you should have seen her get a hand raised. Had her, uh, she was doing this little hip dance, and then she was crushing her hips like, "Ooh yeah!" Oh yes, you know, Todd, you bring up a really good point. Um, so, hold on, I'll, I'll let me see if I can try and explain what the fuck that was, because Kev, it's as weird as he explained it. Like he's not leading you down a wrong path here. So Beche, when she comes out, uh, comes out with the ferocity of a, a bullfighter, if you would. A very precise gesture up to the crowd, like, yes, acknowledge me, I am here. And pivot and turn and bow. <laughs> and she gets to the octagon, and you think you're done. And my fiance is right next to me, and she just goes, she is fierce. And I go, babe, that's probably the nicest way of putting it. Uh, a gentleman <laughs> over to the left of me uh, at the bar, and this is bar culture again. Yells out and goes, I think she's going to win by a nose. Because if you see her face, you will see instantly her nose. So well played, audience member. Real mature. Oh, yeah. Real mature, guys. (laughs) (laughs) So when we finally get to her being in the octagon, I think, oh, her theatrics are done. No, 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 no. She is still, still very pivot turn yes acknowledge me and then once she beat Shayna, it was the extended bow the one that you take that you've given a grand performance and you essentially move your arm out as to say yes 
Are you not entertained? So and she was doing this like this was her thing. Yeah. So, this was, that's very crazy. theatrical. I'm surprised. I like that she does it the entire time, though. I like the consistency. Yes. It was it was never let up uh, for one moment. So I thought you would any enjoy. any fights. Um, what happened? Nehem and Ferrera. <laughs> oh, Ferrera kicked his ass, man. Speed the shit up. Carlos David Ferreira went Brazilian style on him, like I, I anticipated. Both Brazilians did great. Yeah. You're, Brazilian. <laughs> Your Brazilian theory is working pretty good, too. Your Brazilian yeah, connection okay. was I'm definitely I'm sorry, and Burrell kind of fucked it up, but the Brazilians did a great job. Kevin, it was yeah. a little disheartening. So, you know when you work on something in jiu-jitsu and then you see them do it in MMA? Yes. You have those days? So, uh, Jevons was working on some great guillotines with us. And for whatever reason, everybody who was working for a guillotine was just saying, like, you know what? I don't need my elbow up. Fuck it. I'll just keep it down here. Oh, I'm not even going to try the technical version of it. Nah, whatever. <laughs> I'm just going to keep pulling and see what happens. Uh, it will get me through. Yes. Uh, I would like to say, though, that one person who finally pulled through and pulled off a reverse bulldog choke. Kev, are you familiar with this choke? No. You don't want to be because when you get introduced to it like Damon Jackson did, you make eyes like The Undertaker after tapping. Sorry, Miss Jackson. Ooh. <laughs> Medieros for real. <laughs> so... That's my other correct fight, I guess. (laughs) That's my two for two. All Uh, covered. Well, that's that's not important. Yes, that is your other one. But uh, Todd, what was your opinion of that reverse bulldog show? Because you were you were kind of explaining earlier. But oh yeah, you know you know me and my buddies are really into jujitsu, so when we see things like that, we get really crazy at the bar, you know. So um, so we were you know he he kind of um. You know, he he had the guillotine on him, and then he pulled a weird move to get out of the guillotine, and um, what's-his-name just was so damn strong, it was Yancey, right? Yep. I'm so Yancey choked. Dude, he fucking, yeah, he was he was just so strong and was able to finish that choke. It was it was a more it was more a control thing. He he tried to move to get out of the guillotine and just kind of sunk himself deeper into it. So it looked kind of like uh you know his fist was almost behind his back as if he was trying to scratch his uh his lower back and uh and the guy's head was in that way and it was it looked nasty. Yeah, it was yeah really he was nasty. trying to he was trying to escape out of it, but once. And he had done it once earlier in the fight. Like, I think in the first round, he actually managed to get out of that same exact setup. Except this time, when he made that run to the side to, like, run out of it, he ran into the cage. And the cage wasn't forgiving. It just kind of dropped him down. (laughs) As that fucking thing will do, if you're not careful. That's why I don't fight MMA. Stick to jiu-jitsu. Don't like getting punched in the face either. Nobody here likes getting punched in the face. I think that's that's all in agreement for the three of us there. So yeah. you know, uh, Todd, you guys talking about MMA. That's right. <laughs> hey, I got in a fight with a girl once in the ring. <laughs> it it didn't end well. I did a couple of super fights in the ring. That was fun. Yeah, that is pretty cool, actually. So tell us this, Todd. How does it feel, and when do you expect to collect from Kevin? Because it might be a while. Uh. 
Well, I, uh, you know, I ain't got much to do. So anytime during the week or whenever you want, we could, uh, you know, you just give me your time. And and, and I was proposing we, we roll as well. Since you just got your purple belt, we could see how we do things each other. Love this. Um, I will get set up with you off air. If it's, yeah. I want clear consent though. I want you to be okay if I use your number. Yeah, you can text me. You're um, okay. Just so we're all. Wait, wait. Can you have the right one though? I presume lawyers are going to be involved eventually, and I just want the clear it's consent. Three hundred one. Uh, um. Well, I was thinking <laughs> you do the you do the push ups while I do the ice cream cone, and then we'll see. Which one puts us at more of a disadvantage when we spar? Oh, that's genius. This is going to be very scientific. Perfect. On video. Yeah, we'll get some of it on video. Oh, of course. Sure. Yes. Get that on video. Well, mostly, I just want to see how the entry points go for both after push-ups. <laughs> As he and vomits and I'm crying. I don't really it's care perfect. about who wins or loses or how the match really goes. <laughs> I'm just more concerned with Kevin either looking at you and going, Fuck. Or you looking at Kevin and going, ice cream was a bad choice. <laughs> I mean, I let's. I mean, I'll eat like a couple ice cream cones. I'm sorry, somebody's lighting up my phone right now, and it's just like. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I You're think that's as good a time as any for yeah. us to identify the time. Todd, we want to thank you for playing along with Over Under Kevin and for checking oh, and talking uh, UFC 177. Uh, where can people find you again? Uh, I mean, you can find me wherever on Instagram or Facebook. Just, uh, you know, I like Raph's page, so Raffle, uh, I guess you'll link me or whatever. But uh, I want to, I want to, I want (laughs) to give a shout out to Fernando and Mario Yamazaki. They just, uh, it was just announced they're going to be refereeing the UFC fight night in Brasilia in a few weeks. So I want to say congrats to my, uh, my professor and, and his brother Mario. That's awesome, man. That'll be yeah. that'll be fun, and we look forward to making fun of all of the mistakes they are or aren't doing because that's what we do. Yeah. Well, Todd, thank you so much for stopping on in, man. We wish you the best in training, and uh, we look forward to hearing back from you at some point, my man. Thank you. All right, Jiu-Jitsu world. Raph and I pride ourselves on finding the artistic gems hiding around our sport. It always seems to never, it never really astounds us how interesting things get. We have Mick Millman, cool name alert, from People Who Train. And Mick, I was trying to figure out how to necessarily categorize that. You're basically doing a photography project um, via Jiu-Jitsu. Mick, how are you doing this evening? I'm good. How are you guys? Not too bad at all. Um, Raph actually introduced me to this uh, a little earlier in the week, and I'm obsessed with it. This is really cool. What starts? What started people who train, and can you give the the thesis pitch to people that might not have heard it so far? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it started out, I, I had this idea in my head, and I wasn't quite sure where I was going with it, but I simply kind of mashed two worlds together in a photograph. Um, it was a self-portrait of my of me, and I it was just me in my business suit, you know, my dress shirt and tie. But instead of my coat, I'm wearing my jiu-jitsu gi, and 
started to realize what that really was about, and it was just all about, like, recognizing the two different aspects of our lives. You know, a lot of people, they put on a gi, and it's such a huge portion of their life, but there's so much more going on with them. Um, so I started shooting more people, and the, I, I, I didn't really get it, uh, put, put them out there very much, you know? Um, but I started to formulate ideas about why I was doing this, and a lot of it was about recognition. You know, I think a lot of people, they're lacking recognition in this sport. The people that are, have nine-to-fives, have large families, and they still make the time to train. And, you know, the, since I posted those photos, and I, I was like, you know what, I should make a Facebook page, it just blew up. I was getting, like, a 1,000 likes in a week, and I think it was really resonating with people. I think the, there's a lot of people that want recognition, but there's also a lot more going on, I think, um, it's not just about recognition. It's about certain issues, concerns even that I have with jujitsu. Uh, I've been training about ten years now, and when Damn. I started, jujitsu was yeah. <laughs> I'm getting old. <laughs> and uh, years ago, you know, when I started, I was like a young kid. I was always the youngest in the gym, you know, early twenties. But you know, now like the youngest in the gym is three and a half. But yeah, <laughs> you know, I felt like the young guy. And now I'm getting to be the old guy at the gym. That's okay. Um, but you know, I was a martial artist my whole life and to me, that was a huge aspect, aspect of why I trained, you know, for the self-discipline and the challenge and so much more. But as I, you know, I continued to train and as things developed, it became more of a sport. And I think it becoming such a big sport has really done great things for jujitsu as a whole, technique wise, the level is just so much tougher. I mean, 10 years ago. I mean, a blue belt, uh, a purple belt could get smashed by, like, a force-type white belt now even, potentially, <laughs> you know. But really, I think there is about a belt-level difference now than there was 10 years ago. But That's the first time I've heard it quantified. I like that. I hadn't heard it quantified before. Yeah. Um, but I think, uh, you know, there's things have changed, and it's, it's all about competition now. And there's a lot of magazines that say there it's jiu-jitsu for everyone and this is about people for people who train but you know who's always on the front page of a jiu-jitsu magazine you know world-class athlete not it's not so it's like what are what are we really training for you know it's become like a celebrity um it's like celebrity worship almost and so i wanted to bring recognition to the people that don't train full-time you know, the normal person that finds the time to train. Very Is cool. It, are you at a point now where it's kind of weird that when people do see you and they know that you're behind this, that, like, after a roll, they just look at you and they go, is your camera here? Do you, do you want to just get a shot of me? Like, I'm I'm cool, right? Uh, you know, I, I, I don't think people know I'm behind it. I If you go to people who train on Facebook, I, I don't post as Nick, I post as people who train. Um, for a while, I would, I, I ended up settling on my own picture for my profile picture for the page, but for a while, I was actually rotating it, you know, just to like, because this isn't about me so much, you know? Right. Um, I'm really, this is like very meaningful to me, but I realized, I, I realized early on that it's bigger than me, and there's issues that people are talking about that are bigger than me and I think a lot of it's coming out from this project uh, I think this project has really initiated initiated a conversation that 
wasn't there but was kind of under the surface that people wanted to talk about. Yeah, and I, I think you you hit a point that resonates uh, with Kevin and I. We're always trying to to help out people uh, who are are right there in jiu-jitsu. Like we like having a, a good mix of people who are great athletes, UFC fighters, people who are you know. Um, but we always try and give the attention to that. What are some of the best stories that you've heard or, or that you've got to hear while doing this project? You know, every story what I've found to be interesting has resonated with me in some way, in some aspect. Um, you know, like take, there's a, uh, Chris Lucas, he's a two-time combat medic veteran, and jiu-jitsu really changed his life. I mean, he's, he wrote up about how that helped him cope with PTSD. And while I can't relate to anything that traumatic, you know, I've never been to war. I've never, I, I can't relate, you know, but mm. what I can relate to is the healing effect jujitsu does have. Mm. Um, and because there, because of his portrait, I've been contacted by a lot of veterans um, who have told me jujitsu has literally saved their lives. Um, and I'll keep him anonymous, but I was contacted by one individual who did attempt to take his own life. Mm. He failed at it, and eventually he started to, to train, and he said jiu-jitsu has literally changed, uh, saved his life, because, you know, or he would have tried again. So it, that's kind of when things really hit me, how big this project is, um, and it's, it's actually been a little tough for me to process, to be honest, having that kind of impact. Um, other stories, there's another person I photographed who lost his mom, who in jiu-jitsu has helped him deal with that. Um, but I think the interesting thing is whatever challenges you have in life, maybe they're minor, maybe they're first world problems, but jujitsu really helps um, just our wellness, our overall wellness. Yeah. And what's the, that's, I mean, that's fascinating. And I'm kind of curious because it seems like through the photography lens and the jujitsu lens, you sort of get a lot of comfort. Do you ask people their stories? Does it just kind of come out organically through the shoot? Um, is that part of the project? How does that interaction happen? It's a little of both. Um, you know, I don't photograph a subject without trying to get to know them. And so it's a bit, it is organic, but when it comes to the write-up, I don't really give them guidelines. I, I want, that's the part I want to hand over to them. I don't want to have, that's, you know, my part is photographing them and capturing that, capturing the essence of who they are. The write-up is up to them. So I say, you know, it can be as short or as long as you want it. You don't have to do it, but there hasn't been anyone that hasn't want, wanted to do it. Um, but I simply ask, why do you train? That's so cool. And and like if you haven't seen the site, let's kind of just give you like a, a quick run through. Uh, there is a purple belt with a kettlebell in one hand and a baby in another. So, <laughs> I saw that one. I uh, like that a lot. Dangerous. Uh, I hope uh, the guy is not going to misplace the kettlebell with the baby and just try and grab the back of the neck. <laughs> Uh, but no, I mean, there's, there's such great life in a lot of these characters. I love the dude who's the in and out guy. His smile is so <laughs> great. Like he's so excited to get to share this. And I think that's the thing that really shows from what you're doing here is that these are the people that 
I'm interested in, in rolling with and, and in training with. Um, and it's fun because you see a spectrum of all different styles. And there's a whole bunch of like lower belts here who are just like, yeah, I'm totally cool. I want to show you this is what Fucking I do. surgeon and I'm a blue belt. Yep. Fuck you. That's, a, <laughs> that's, a cool. that's fucking amazing. You know, uh, I got a message the other day from a guy. Just, hey, I wanted to point out there's a lot of white belts on this. You know, how about more blue belts? How about more this? And I don't really control, what, you know, who I photograph. If you are interested in the project, as long as you're not a full-time jiu-jitsu athlete, and I'm talking about someone that doesn't have a job for a living, <laughs> they just train for a living, then you're welcome people. to and I thought about, so it made me think, why are there so many white belts in the project? Because there's a good amount. But mm-hmm. if you go to any gym, what's the majority of people? They're white belts. White belts, and then as you go up, there's fewer and fewer up until black. So I think a lot of a lot of it is that. But you guys train, right? Yep. So, you know, I remember when I first started... <laughs> as a white belt, like once you discover this new drug, you're obsessed with it. You're obsessed with it. You want to tell everyone about it. You know, you you go to parties, and if you're with some dumb, idiot, 22-year-old guy, you're probably thinking about, like, oh, I could take this guy. I could probably double-leg this guy. You hmm. suck. You don't know shit. You're a, you're a white belt. But, you know, you've you just discovered this thing, and it's constantly on your mind. And I think the change in their life is so fresh. That's why they want to share it. Absolutely. And do you also let them, so when you're about to do a shoot, how much do you give them as far as advice or do they literally come in and they create their wardrobe? Because some people are a little bit more gee oh. with some accessories. Others have like half and uh, half. Yeah. Um, there's a process, I think. Sometimes it's interesting. Uh, sometimes I, I have an idea, sort of like a little vision that I have, and I can make it happen right away. Uh, take uh, Jean, a, a mom, gym owner, you know, um, she's balancing a lot. And so we were able to capture that essence of her juggling so many different things. If you look in the shop, she's carrying her son on her back. He's got like 15 toys in his hands. She's got her, her iPad, two phones, you know, her gym phone, her, cell, her personal phone. Um, that was a shot I wanted. Uh, other yeah. times it's kind of exploring and it's a little bit collaborative. Uh, ultimately, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm creating the aesthetic look of the shot. I ask people, just bring in as much as you can or bring in whatever is important to you. You know, whatever mm-hmm. says a little bit about yourself, your identity, and we'll see what we can create. Sometimes it's more is better. Often less is more. Um, in a, you know, take mine. I'm actually I'm not holding a camera or anything. I only have, you know, a chest shirt and tie. But I think that one works. It's powerful. Well, or, Mick, I would like so to to really focus yeah. on this photo of you for a second because sure. let's look at this face. This face that you're making right there says this isn't the first time you've put your gi on over your suit. So. <laughs> At what point did you look in the mirror and say, like, yeah, this is happening. What? This is me. This is the one. This is the look. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Kev, you done the same thing? 
Oh, without question. I'm, uh, probably an embarrassing amount of times considering I've never photographed it. And and Mick, to be very honest, uh, my fiance is very nicely saying, well, okay, we have to tell the photographer there's got to be some photos of you and a gi at the wedding. <laughs> so we got to make that happen. So I understand the sickness, but tell me more about your sickness so I can relate. Uh, you know, I started wearing the gi in between wearing my see-through mesh shirt and my Miami Vice white suit. Um, mm, and I just choice. started bringing it back recently. So I think it's worth <laughs> it. I must say, uh, I think I'm pulling it off amazingly. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, I had a friend, he wanted to, <laughs> his wife was, t- I photographed his wedding like two weeks ago, th- no, about three, four weeks ago, and his wife was terrified that he was going to show up in a geese. <laughs> like, I, I kept teasing her, like, like you know, they didn't see each other until um, until the actual recept, uh, ceremony, and I kept teasing her that, oh yeah, I saw Eric, he's, he's totally wearing his geese. <laughs> <laughs> he looks great, and he's got really good grips, so it's going to be fine. Actually, you guys are gonna get Eric is actually in the series. Eric is the, um, the guy, he's also wearing a dress shirt, he's got black shoes on, Looks a little bit like a serial killer with those shoes on and his key, but still a good shot. <laughs> As a photographer, do you look at him and go, serial killer, that's the shot? No, yes. I actually didn't think that. Someone else said that to me. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> now, Mick, I, I want to ask... Smalls in case he's listening. <laughs> Mick, I do want to ask this. You know, uh, more than just you putting on the key, tell us about how you got started in jiu-jitsu and, you know, when was the moment that you knew that you were really, you were pot committed, you were in? Yeah, um, well, right away. I mean, I think most of us know right away. Uh, you know, I did Kyokushin Karate, so it's like, if you're going to do a traditional martial art, that's one of the ones you should do, full contact karate, so you know you're not just punching and kicking the air, and you're not bullshitting yourself, <laughs> um, giving yeah. yourself a false sense of security. But I, I, I did that. Um, I dabbled in it for many years after doing it when I was like a teenager up till, I don't know, about 15 or so. And I, went to, I traveled to Peru at some point when I was in college. And I tried it out there, actually. You know, I was there for like two, I don't know, I was there for actually four to six months. And when I came back, my roommate was like, hey, dude, let's do a martial art together. And I'm like, well, you know, I tried jiu-jitsu. It was pretty cool. <laughs> and so I, I started doing it from there. And I never took a break. Um, I've been doing it consistently since. So it, It's a part of my life. You know, it's not something I ever wondered. Like, for me, it's not if I get a black belt. It's, you know, I know I'm going to get a black belt someday. Uh, there's just no doubt because I know I'm not going to quit. It's just a part of my life. It's, it makes me happy. You know, fundamentally, there's a lot of there's a lot of reasons to train, but ultimately, the people that train the longest are the people that enjoy it. You know, every time they're rolling, they're just having fun. Yeah, I call it so, my therapy. I just call it how I keep the the world in perspective. Much cheaper than a shrink, and you know, the equipment's cooler. <laughs> so, than sweater vests. As You've evolved. Where did you start training? Because I I know you're based out of L.A. now. It looks like. So Is yeah, you... I, I 
I, when I came back, I started training in L.A. Um, it was like a, you know, like a recreational class at UCLA. Uh, I went to UCLA. I trained there. Didn't get to, like, train as much as I wanted to because there's something like three classes a week. Mm. Um, after graduating, graduating. Are you getting college credit for this? No. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> nice. I wasn't sure. <laughs> it was fifty fifty. I was like, "Is this like a gym credit?" I'm, okay. Kevin's about to go renounce both of his advanced <laughs> degrees and go. You know what, guys? One more time, I want to major in jujitsu. I don't. You don't joke. I was just about to Google. Can you get a master's in this? Is that, is that a thing? <laughs> yeah, it's called the black belt. <laughs> oh, oh, thanks. Yeah, I'll just that's your master's. <laughs> Note that but, uh, saddest bummer yeah. of the day, but we're, we're still good. <laughs> so you're training at UCL, or you're basically at like college rec classes. Yeah, and you know, then I after graduating, I, I trained locally for a little while before moving to Portland. Kept training, you know, moved back, uh, moved back to Peru, uh, trained there for a year, came back to LA, kept training. Um, eventually start training with Homo Bahal and that's where I've been since. So let's let's pause here because those are two different great areas to explore. But the first, you train in Peru. What is that yeah. like? Is there a lot of people that do it? Like that was just my question. It was like what's the Peru jiu-jitsu scene? Well, you know, just like 10 years ago in LA when I was first training, maybe it wasn't a full 10 years ago, but you had John Jock, you had like Torrance and you really, really that was it. Um, there were you didn't really have options, and as like a young guy, you know, poor young kid, I wasn't making enough to even train at any of those places. But look at L- L.A. now. I mean, it almost feels like there's a place to train on every corner. Uh, Peru, when I was there, there was one place to train. Um, it was a pretty good group. It was a great group, actually. Um, it just wasn't huge. I'd say there's like maybe 20 guys at most. Uh, your average class maybe had, I don't know, 12 guys there but now you know i keep up with them on facebook and now it's really growing um mm. so I, you know the jiu-jitsu is growing everywhere i think you know, especially in, in the u.s but it's growing everywhere it's all it like it was like everywhere <laughs> you know it was yeah like no, that makes sense <laughs> you know it's like uh the, every gym is a little different you know everyone has their own gym culture but oh yeah yeah a lot more. Well, I now you're training over, let's see, if I'm doing my math correctly, Northridge, yes? That's right. Yep. How do you like it there? You know, tell us about that. How do you, you know, do your do your training partners look at you now? Do they look at you as being the guy who is, is doing stuff? What has been their reaction to you doing this project? Um, you know, I think, I don't know fully because, I think I've been so busy. I, I go in and, and, and I train, but now, like, it's tough for me to find, like, even three times a week, you know. Um, I'm trying to change that again. But, again, it's not, like, the end of the world for me because I know I'm going to keep training. So if I'm only training, if I'm training less now, it's not the biggest deal in the world. I'll pick it back up and train a lot yeah. more um, yeah. when I have, when I can. That's what happens, you know. But I do that too. Uh, I don't. I, I don't get a lot of feedback from people I know typically on Facebook. I think people are a little over the Facebook thing. Um, but in person, when I see people, you know, they do have a lot to say about it, and that's really nice. Um, but yeah, I actually haven't really gotten like 
a chance to get some feedback from them, to be honest. I just, uh, I just enjoy hearing uh, you say that because as somebody who has a product and also trains, it is fun when people see something that you put out and they go, I like that one. And you just kind of yeah. go, what? I, I was just trying to drill this. I don't really know what's – oh, oh, the podcast. Yes, yes. Thank you. Uh, I just wonder if, you know, maybe mid-guillotine you get somebody who goes, dude, that was a pretty sweet photo. <laughs> I don't like that shit. In the middle of a roll, to be honest. That's my meditation. I, I, that's where I get my zen moments. I like to talk in between matches, but – so I hope no one will do that. Unless it's, unless they've got something really funny to say. I don't think they should <laughs> talk during a roll. <laughs> it is it is an epidemic that is really hard to get uh eradicated. I will say, as somebody who does comedy, uh there are people who want to try and make you laugh. And half the time you look at them and you go, Is this an offensive tactic? Is this to throw me off my game and to get me off there? Because mission accomplished. Uh, but I will say this, you know, Mick, I, I'm so excited uh, to hear about this project. I know you, you've got a lot of stuff coming up for it. Um, but part of the reason why, and I, maybe I'm making an assumption here, but part of the reason why you're not training as much is because you're putting more time into this project, uh, with people who train, Absolutely. Uh, how much time are you putting into this? I mean, I'm spending hours and hours every day on it in some form, um, because let's be it. very clear, these photos aren't, as a person who dabbles in photography, and when I say dabbles, it's completely on the opposite spectrum <laughs> of what you do, but like, the photo quality and editing that you're doing here doesn't just happen. Well, thank you. <laughs> um, however, I actually don't edit them very much. Uh, that's, they're pretty How much dare you. as shot. <laughs> You know, I'm you so get, you now. I'm, it, right? You know, before I was just complimentary. Now I'm just pissed at you. I don't know what to tell you with that. I know I can't help you here. Well, He's yeah. usually <laughs> mad at me, so it works. Um, you could okay. stop being so yeah. good at photography. Uh, rule number one, I guess. Uh, but yeah, so you're you're putting in time. I'm sorry, I interrupted you to be angry. Nah, I don't care. Yeah, it's no big deal. But um, yeah, you know, I'm right now. I've been balancing. You know, a full-time photography profession, you know, keeping up with that, teaching photography, and then now this project, which I've done other projects before, other photo series, but this one's just taking a lot of time, and I'm glad to do it. Um, but I'm a little, I have been a little crazy lately, you know, a little uh, hard to remember things because I'm balancing so much, and it's one of those things, you know, training would probably help, but sometimes you literally can't make it i mean schedule wise it's like okay jiu-jitsu's at six uh, i've got to take a meeting at six you know i can't be no. there no. um you know or, or like jiu-jitsu's at three thirty, and you gotta talk to these two bozos that are asking you about your project you know? dare you uh, what <laughs> oh no i just assumed that was us when people are referring to two bozos yeah well, i was about to say yeah. it's kind of close to what time it is right here oh, oh. Mm. funny Interesting. Okay. Well, you know, uh, now that we've talked so great lengths with you, I think we're going to go ahead and close up this interview. Thanks for being on there. <laughs> I've got to yeah. ask. Hold on. I got one more. Um, do the sessions ever turn into training sessions? Because you strike me as a little lippy, Mick. 
And I can just imagine <laughs> there being a moment where, you know, you're mid-photo. Uh, does it ever break out into some jiu-jitsu training sessions? No, but I, I sometimes wish it could, you know. It's like, <laughs> man, I want to train. All these jiu-jitsu geese and everything just reminds yeah. me of training. Makes you want to train, but usually I'm focused on the job. Fine. What Enjoy a professional. Your, yeah, <laughs> professionalism. Maybe what we need to do, Kevin, is is uh, we hear, pray tell, that there's going to be some uh, things that you're putting up, but maybe we should start a, a separate kind of fundraiser to get you some mats that you just go, oh, hey, do, do you just want to train? Like, I've just got these mats here. <laughs> it's crazy, right? You don't want to train, do you? I could teach you a really that's cool a loop step, joke, but no big. That's a separate series I'm working on where um, I ask people to stand and close their eyes, and then I just get a shot of me double-legging them. <laughs> <laughs> that would be fantastic. Like, that would be some cool face people probably make right before they're like, what the <laughs> fuck? <That's>, you know, <laughs> before we, we, we pivot here to, to plug in all of your stuff, I do have to ask you about this because you gave us the name of your website, but the one that it reads on my browser in order to get here is it starts with you're not so special dot exposure dot co. <laughs> so what is you're not so special all about? You're not you're you're not special. Uh, it's actually a Fight Club <laughs> reference. <laughs> I know that I know uh, the reference. I'm just asking you okay, why you're good. like, hey guys, come uh, come take a photo with me. P.S. You're not special at all, but here's your photo. Um, Congratulations. Well, that's a temporary home for the photos. To be honest. And, yeah, it's, you know, you can't overthink things. You just got to do stuff sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I can accept that. You know, it's like, no, but really, like, my business, there's all these, like, photography business paradigms that you're supposed to follow, and it's all bullshit. I'm going to tell you right now. It's like, just be yourself. Just provide a good product. And, like, everyone, there's all these tips on how to market your business and how you have to blog I don't even blog anymore, you know? It's yeah. like, do your own thing, and that's what I'm doing now. It's the, I, 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 believe in, I believe in myself, and I just keep doing it. And like, I believe in this project, for example, and I'm just going to keep following my gut on how to like, go about doing, doing it, you know? Well, plus, I think there's an argument to be made with Instagram being way more popular than looking at status updates. Like, people like visual things, so why do you have to double your time if you're already super book doing all these things and trying to make it work if you need to blog about it as well it's just extra time to be doing it. i yeah, think the pictures it, themselves it's ironic because you know if like your work is slow you you blog you you like post yeah. photos and everything and everyone thinks you're busy i haven't done that in months half a year i've been too busy you know yeah. um especially once it's you know this project took off um once i committed to it that's usually how my photo series work i kind of will do sort of an exploratory, exploratory photo. I kind of mull it over, then I pick up the pace, and then at some point I decide, all right, this is my priority, and then it's it's just like really intense from that moment on, as far as my focus goes. So, like right now, I mean, yeah, some days I put in like a full day just working on it. Sounds a lot like my dating life. Let's say. I want to be in the project. Let's say I want to l- l- rent this beautiful face and chiseled bone structure, Adonis hair. How do I do that? Not me personally, obviously. 
Um, but what would be the process? You can contact me several ways. You can personally email me at info at com. You can go to People Who Train on Facebook. You can that's a, just look up People Who Train. You can go yeah, it's to very people, easy. Yeah. PeopleWhoTrainProject.com, or you can go to Instagram at Retrograding and send me a private message. Um, I'd love to come out anywhere there's a demand, anywhere if someone wants to participate. My goal is to come out and photograph them. Um, this is an ongoing series, and it's an international series. You know, it's, I aim to bring this to all parts of the world. I want to, you know, I want to document every your everyday practitioner in every part of the world. Um, I want to show diversity, at, and at the same same time, that we all train for the same reasons ultimately. Yeah, we so, to do a team shoot too. I'm just throwing out ideas. Well, um, tonight I'll be going to Mexico. I won't be photographing just one team, but it'll be the first. Um, addition to the project that's international so nice. i'll be able to photograph people there um then i'll be back in california well we'll see you know i might just stay out there who knows <laughs> but, how nice it is. <laughs> it's as great as I, I hope uh you know maybe i'll stay but <laughs> then i'm hitting uh costa mesa on october 4th san diego on the 5th um, I'll have de- I'll have I'll have um, official details on that soon, um, and then information on how to participate as well. And then that, my next step will hopefully be Europe in December. Oh, cool! Nice. And this accompanies a Kickstarter campaign you're launching here at the end of September. Exactly. Yeah. Um, right now, I've been just paying out of pocket and. You know, I don't mind doing it, but it's tough. <laughs> I can't do yeah. it forever. Um, and so I, while I want this project to be free and accessible to everyone, you know, and I will, I would never ask that or charge for it to be a part of it, you know, donations are welcome because that's the only way I can continue to do this and, you know, spread this message and kind of promote the, the conversations I want to promote through this project. Uh, oh, Kev, he's getting too—he's getting too samurai humble. You want to help me on this? Let's come up with three reasons why people should donate to him. You go first. <laughs> first of all, the pictures are fucking stylish as hell, and anyone that's an aficionado of mix and match on the jujitsu gear—that's reason one. Let's promo this man a little bit. Throw some bones his way, because style and jujitsu go hand in hand. Uh, let's go number two right here. I'm jealous of his photography people. Like, you can basically look at other people who are doing photography. I know, as somebody who's now having to audition people to be my photographer for my wedding, it's a pain in the ass. Yeah. Because most of the time, they're not good. The work here is good. And the fact that he doesn't even have to edit it is disgusting. Yes, I'm jealous. Yes, you can hear it in my voice. But it's doing a good thing for the community. Number three, Kevin Go. Come on, people. Jiu-Jitsu's a nationwide epidemic sweeping in the most positive way possible. And 85% to 90% of that coverage goes towards the sport jiu-jitsu. And we, uh, none of us can agree on that. All of us can agree that we love training with the people at our gym and their different backstories. I like training with someone that I find out is like 
working in the federal government as some sort of elite SWAT team. I like training with someone that's like, I work for Discovery doing PR. It's hilarious to be between those two people. That's what he's talking about. That's what he's promoing. Donate to that. Other fucking narratives that people don't get to hear. That's the thing. And you would only be robbing the ability to get those narratives at your own fucking internet doorstep. Donate. Jerks. But guys, I know I do want to add there there's more to it than just, you know, fulfilling your curiosity about what people do at your gym. I mean it sounds cheesy, but it's legit. Jujitsu can literally save lives and having veterans reach out to me and chip talk to me about it and you know, like we can spread that or you know, we can talk start talking about how jujitsu can help you know, veterans with PTSD, for example. Truth. And so I think this project can, you know, really raise awareness of serious issues, not just for entertainment. Like, well, you know, that's really cool. This guy's a firefighter. But there's more going on, I think. And I think, you know, for me, that's, that's what... That's been the most, I think... See, it's actually hard for me to even talk about how that's affected me. Because I didn't expect it initially, to be honest. Absolutely. So I'm a little blown away by that. Which means it is worth doing and worth donating to. It's Mick Millman, M-I-K-M-I-L-M-A-N. Cool name, especially to say together, Mick Millman. Um, <laughs> passionate jujitsu advocate. Passionate about his project. Mick, we really appreciate you swinging by the podcast this evening. Hey, and Kev, where can people go on PayPal? They can go to people who train at gmail.com. You just enter that in. You can donate directly to the PayPal account. Really easy. Thank you, guys. And um, if you you uh, want to be a part of the project and you're not where I'm scheduled to you know, go, so like right now, like I said, I've got Mexico tonight. I'll be there for a week. San Diego, Costa Mesa. But I am trying to do a East Coast and a West Coast tour. Hit up Ooh. the entire coast, hit up the entire East Coast. Um, if you want to be a part of that, definitely contact me. Um, I'll need help coordinating where I'll be able to photograph things, um, possibly getting equipment. Uh, I've got everything, but, you know, getting it out there. If I can't get something out there, maybe there's photographers that have what I need. Um, it's usually just one backdrop. Um, and a few, what else? Um Maybe you're That's not. That's cool as shit, man. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you this right now. Coast, but yeah, I think you're gonna you're gonna make the rounds, and I think people, you know, there's a groundswell. If you guys want to get in on this, and and there should be every reason. I think there might be a hesitation because people might be shy, but I don't think it's a matter of you exploiting a story. I think it's you sharing a story that people should hear. Uh, and I think though that's a really cool thing about it. I will let you know this. Um, you train Northridge, though, right? That's right. Okay. See, I live in North Hollywood. That's far. I don't know if I'm going to be able to make that trek. <laughs> a little geography yeah. joke for those people not in Los Angeles. But I'm sure we can arrange something. And Kevin will be out here uh, at some point in the near future. So I'm also over here in D.C. East Coast. Yep. So if you yeah. do make it out to the East Coast, you got that idiot over there. <laughs> Wait, what's that? Oh, Kevin's dumb. That was the point of the <laughs> But he also Kevin's... lives on the East Coast, and East Coast people would, I'm sure, love it. 
It's harder to say slower because it's mean. <laughs> so no, it's 100% still funny to me. The reason why it's slower is because I'm laughing at how mean it is. <laughs> Unnecessarily mean. Um, and then the last thing uh, you know, I want to add, if, you're, if maybe you're not on the West Coast or East Coast, you're in Oklahoma, and I don't know why you'd be there, but hey. you want me to come back. <laughs> get, get in touch. Um, we'll see what we can do. Um, we'll see how we can kind of like cover the expenses. I'm not looking to get rich or even make a profit from this. I really just want to spread people's stories. So um, if we can make if we can cover the cost, I'll be out there. And we could probably do it for less than a seminar, you know, less than uh, a lot less than the 10000 or $5,000 your gym could spend on a seminar. So, and I think everyone would get great photos out of it and get to tell their story and be a part of the, a part of the jiu-jitsu community that way. Um, exactly. And it sounds like they'll get a great double leg lesson in the process. <laughs> About uh, actually, I got a bad knee. Probably not. Yeah, that's probably a lot of takedowns. Crowbar to their knee. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the project is people who train. The man is Mick Millman. Mick, thank you so much for swinging by the podcast tonight. Thank you, guys. Thank you. I appreciate it. Fun podcast. Talking to all sorts of people that are doing jiu-jitsu, taking photos of jiu-jitsu, winning at MMA picks. I'm getting mm-hmm. asterisk screwed. No, you're not. Okay. The... You know what? I'm moratorium over. I'm done not making fun of you. <laughs> and it was tough because I did make fun of you a couple times on the podcast. But, yeah. Kev, can I, can I bring up the following thing? And sure. this is the one thing that, while at the bar, don't get me wrong felt a huge amount of sympathy for you in your situation. Mm-hmm. Would it have killed you to call them ahead of time? No, not at all. Um, they didn't, they, they must've canceled it. Like when we found out the main event was off. I'm not sure that's entirely true because if These that was were, the case, then you call them ahead of time. I would, I could have maybe saved myself the 15 minutes, but when should I have called them? Like that day, the day before, they always have the fights. They yes, didn't have that's these how you fights. do it. They had branded that they were going to have the fights. Like I, <laughs> this one I feel strongly about. Yeah, I guess I'm not complaining about the drive. I feel strongly about this. You should not feel strongly, and let me tell you why. Oh, will you please? Okay. Well, I wasn't going to wait for you to say that, but um. Guess who called ahead of time to a bar that still said that they were showing the event, Kevin? Uh, some sort of middle-aged 48-year-old that likes turtlenecks, probably has like a reading hobby, isn't very interesting, not an attractive person. Was it you? Well, A, good try for a profiling, um, especially you. coming from a person who paid cab fare to go find out that there was a note written on a wall because he couldn't make a simple phone call. Um, but... It was typed and it was attributed to management. <laughs> <laughs> so here's – like I said, Kev, it was the one thing that I said differentiates you from me where I go, you know, it says it on the website, but I'm still calling anyway. And I can guarantee Kevin did not call. Like, they didn't just die within that hour. 
hey, let's no. not show it because this douchebag's going to show up. <laughs> they put the signs up as soon as they saw my Prius. <laughs> well, I guess the cab would have thrown them off. But 50-50 shot, by the way, if I had called, just based off of the way the staff is here. I'm not saying – you're right. I should have called. I could have certainly saved myself the trip, but that wasn't the – uh, there's almost 10 out of 10 chance someone would answer the phone and been like, yeah, the fights are still tonight. It's no problem. Well, it's okay. So the UFC fights are going to be playing? Yeah. Perfect. All right. Well, I'll see you in 10. Cool. And that would be the conversation. And but you know what? That's when you hold the person accountable and become a terrible customer if they don't do that. But most people right. don't do that. And yes, they might give you a very, what, blessing kind of voice. But it still gives you an answer that saves you cab fare. <laughs> That's true. Um, I'll put that in the memoirdo file for next time. And that is going to take us to shout outs. I don't know. Again, I'm still working on it. Go for it. Um, BJJ and MMA Academy out there in Chantilly, VA. Finally got back into getting the hell beat out of me on Saturday. Um, fun no gi stuff. Always a good time. Loving the no gi. Don't forget about BJJ Finder, our friends, and the premier jiu-jitsu school locator. You plug in your zip code, you refuse schools. It's so much easier to know you're going to be able to train when you travel. And Raf, that's going to do it for me. It's a short Sweet. thank you list. I'm oh, on vacation for like six weeks. Not yeah. thank you to the bar. How's that? Okay. No shout outs to the bar. None. But I would argue by talking about them, we might have given them a shout out. But didn't say the name. Bah. Uh, let's go ahead and shout out Valley Martial Arts Center. <laughs> Some great training going on this week. Uh, good things, good times, good all of that stuff. Uh, I do want to shout out a training partner this week. I want to shout out Spencer. Uh, Kev, you know, the, the, the terrible thing about jujitsu is people just keep getting taller. I'm not a I've fan of that. that. More flexible. It feels like, yeah, I don't like it. Like your length, like tall wise is about enough where I go. All right, that's fine. Any taller than Kevin is bad news. Don't want it <laughs> too much work, but, yeah. uh, yeah, no, we've got some, uh, jerks like Spencer who just are tall, growing. lanky, and just fucking beastly at what they do. But uh, it's been a great help. So getting to roll with him has been a blast. So Spencer, thank you very much, my man. Hope you're doing good. Let's go over to my buddy Steve from the bar. Steve was great. He was – if it wasn't for him, I probably would have gone insane uh, at the bar over this week. But I was glad to have another person who just didn't want to pay the full price and, uh, for UFC 177. <laughs> That's really what it comes down to here, people. It was hard. What do you want It's true. This? I know. Let's shout out uh, Todd Levin, uh, Mick Millman, uh, really cool jiu-jitsu people. We love getting to talk to you guys and at some point hopefully getting to train with you guys. Uh, but, yeah, that's – I think – is that everybody I'm shouting out this week? Oh, let's shout out John Evans. Why not? Because uh, he gets Come enough on. attention, I think. He does not get enough attention. Kev, he gave me uh, what I like to call a great present. What's he that? showed me a new move that is like perfect for me. And you know, so – requires sarcasm. Um a lot of meanness. How dare you? The 
I am the nicest person on this podcast. I would like to point that out. Ryan Gosling looking like friend of yours. Is that what he was? Are you trying to Hopefully look? He's got all those things here. I didn't get enough time to send this over to Lisa, uh, our our <laughs> friend Lisa Falconer. But let's say this, Kevin: you are looking less like Ryan Gosling. You never did. But you're looking more like TJ Miller. And you know what? Take that to the bank. And I know you secretly like that comment because I know you like him as a comedian. So I I don't hate it. I did have that moment today where my hair was all poofed out. I was like, I kind of look like Bruce Falange. This is going great. (laughs) That's going to do it for us tonight here at Verbal Tap. I'm Kevin. Thanks for listening. Good night and good fight. And that didn't take long, right? No. No. I guess I could. Come on. Fuck that. But now you know. Fucking pioneer. You're not a pioneer.